Hello, everybody. This is Joseph P. Farrell with News and Views from the Nefarium for Thursday, August 2nd, 2018. Uh, just a couple of announcements. This, this one today is really going to be intriguing. Tomorrow, there is no vid chat. I have not yet made the schedule for uh, this month. I'm thinking probably our first vid chat will be next weekend, not this weekend. Uh, but continue to check the schedule. And uh, for those of you who have not heard, the new book is up and available on YouTube, uh, uh, pardon me, on Lulu. Uh, it's called Microcosm and Medium. It is a book about uh, mind manipulation technologies, but largely from a cosmological sort of approach. So anyway, I hope that you will enjoy that book. It may be part of a series. I don't know yet. It all kind of depends on whether this experiment at self-publishing works out. But anyway, I hope everybody enjoys the book. Anyway, today, folks, uh, there is big trouble brewing in France. And I don't know if those of you in the English-speaking world have even heard about this uh, I certainly have not heard it covered. I do listen occasionally to talk radio in this country. I don't pay much attention to the lamestream media at all, radio or otherwise. So this is a story that has not been getting much play in the United States. I can't speak for elsewhere. I can't speak for Europe. But apparently it's uh, getting all the attention right now in France, and justifiably so. Now... This article that I'm sharing is from VoltaireNet.org. It is by Thierry Messon, all right? Now, Monsieur Messon, you may recall, is one of the earliest critics of the 9-11 narrative. In fact, it was uh, Mr. Messon that drew attention to the problems with the Pentagon attacks and the apparent discrepancy between a plane hitting the building and what was actually shown on TV that day. So he has a long history of picking apart narratives. And uh, this narrative, you're going to absolutely be, I think, dumbfounded as I was once we get into it. This is a lengthy article. I've linked it for you on YouTube. I'm only going to be uh, pointing out a few paragraphs here and then uh, briefly indulge in some high-octane speculation. The scandal concerns one of President Macron's guards, a fellow by the name of Alexandre Benalla, who apparently has been beating people up. All right, Now, in France, he does not have any authority to do that, but just hang on because Masson gets into some rather gruesome and interesting details here. He's got his own high-octane speculation that I want to review. But the long and short of it is that President Macron's government could be in trouble. Now, let me set the context. This is very, very crucial because you'll recall that Angela Merkel, who up to just very recently was more or less the de facto uh, leader of Europe, has kind of faded from view because of the weak election results that her party gained in the last German federal elections and because of her disastrous refugee policy. So Europe turned its attention to Emmanuel Macron 
who for a while was the anointed Mr. Globaloney candidate and was looking to be the de facto leader of Europe. But now this has completely changed the game. And so now we have a weak government in Berlin and a weak government in Paris. And let's remember, a strong government in Rome. <laughs> okay, so, so the uh, situation here... <laughs> It's very, very interesting. Uh, not looking too good for Mr. Globaloney right now. But anyway, let me read some paragraphs from Masson's article here because, uh, and I apologize to those of you who speak French. I have always butchered the French language. I just don't have the mouth <laughs> for, for French, even though I'm part French in my ancestry. But um, let, me, let me read a few paragraphs from... Monsieur Maison's article, and then um, give you my additional two cents worth of, of high-octane speculation. So we're beginning toward the very start of this article, and I want you to pay attention to these three paragraphs, particularly the second one, because Maison is asking some very difficult questions. Revealed by Le Monde, the Benalla affair has given us a glimpse of what goes on behind the scenes in the Elysee. One of Emmanuel Macron's collaborators is a hooligan who, posing as a police officer and equipped with a police armband and police radio, took to the streets on the 1st of May and beat up two demonstrators. He enjoyed an unhealthy cronyism, to borrow the phrase from Prefect Michel uh, Delpeche. This aspect of the affair is now the object of a judicial inquiry in which five people are indicted. This is doubled by an administrative investigation by the Inspector General of the National Police or Inspection Générale de la Police Nationale. It also happens that far from being a vague collaborator, this is the second paragraph, this Yabo was none other than the assistant director of the cabinet of the President of the Republic. He escorted his boss on a great number of occasions, both public and private, and possessed a copy of the keys to the President's second home. He had been awarded a permanent license to carry a weapon because of his function, which was what exactly? He had been provided with an official car equipped with flashing lights and sirens. By whom? He owned an access card to the hemicycle of the National Assembly, a diplomatic passport, and secret defense accreditation. Why? According to the police unions which gave testimony under oath before the Senatorial Information Mission, the president's street thug inspired terror in police officers. He would not hesitate to threaten and curse high-ranking officers of the police and the gendarmerie to whom he would even issue orders. He went to meetings with the minister of the interior and the prefecture of police accompanied by barbouzes or secret agents. He recruited security guards for the Elysee. <laughs> All of these charges are firmly denied by the cabinet of the President of the Republic. Now, I'm going to skip some paragraphs here. This, of course, is why the parliamentarians of the Board of Inquiry asked the obvious question. 
was, was Alexandra Benalla part of a developing parallel police force under the unique command of President Macron? Now, that's where the story is more or less right now. But I happen to agree with Maison's assessment here that that's an awful lot of what it looks like. A parallel force was uh, attempted to be set up uh, by Macron and some of the other people in his government. But now I want to skip several paragraphs to get to the heart of Maison's speculation here because he's calling it the Gladio B hypothesis. Now, folks, sit down. You're not going to believe this. I'm going to read several paragraphs from uh, this section of his article and then throw in my two cents. We have published in these columns that the mission of Monsieur Benalla was to create a French equivalent of the U.S. Secret Service, which would integrate both the function of presidential security and fight against terrorism, information which has today been widely borrowed by our colleagues without mentioning us. The Minister of the Interior, who declared that he knew nothing of this affair, is convinced that the recasting of the Elysee's security services was not aimed at keeping them sheltered from the control of the traditional hierarchies. We hope that he's not allowed himself to be led astray on this subject, too. Nonetheless, we may remember that during the Cold War, the United States and the United Kingdom had created, in all of the Allied States, a service designed to combat Soviet influence without the knowledge of the national institutions. This system is known to historians as the stay-behind and to the public by the name of its Italian branch, Gladio. All over the world, listen carefully, folks, all over the world, it was under the joint command of the CIA and MI6 via the World Anti-Communist League, except for Europe, where it was connected to NATO. Now, stop before I go any further. I don't know if you are familiar with a book called The Beast Reawakens. It's a book about modern international fascist movements. In that book, the World Anti-Communist League at the time headquartered, and I believe to this day, although it's changed its name, headquartered in Taiwan, all right, was also a hotbed, a nest of activities for post-war Nazis. So in other words, there's a connection here to what I've been calling the post-war Nazi international, and again, it's based in Taiwan. The main operational officials of this stay-behind network, in other words, capable of becoming clandestine in case of a Soviet invasion, were the... And Maison gets right on this Nazi connection, were ex-officials of the Nazi repression. While the French people know that SS captain and head of the Gestapo in Lyon, Klaus Barbie, became the official representative of the Stay Behind Network in Bolivia, working against Che Guevara, they do not know, for example, that the police prefect for Paris, the collaborator Maurice Papon, who massacred 100 Algerians on the 17th of October 1961, was one of the leaders of the network in France working against the FLN. Here in Damascus, where I live, 
people remember another SS officer and director of the camp at Drancy, Alois Brunner, who was placed as an advisor to the Syrian secret services by the CIA and MI6 in order to prevent the country from swinging over into the Soviet camp. He was arrested by President Bashar al-Assad as soon as he came to power. <laughs> in France, when the stay-behind turned against France, it accused it of leaving Algeria to the Soviets, organized the coup d'etat in 1961, and financed the OAS, that's the Organisation de l'Armée Secrète, President de Gaulle, and that was the organization, incidentally, that had attempted to assassinate President de Gaulle. President de Gaulle recuperated suit certain of its agents in order to form a militia to work against the militia, the SAC, or Service d'Action Civique. Despite appearances, <laughs> these stories are not as old as all of that. The world of politics still hosts personalities who were part of the Stay Behind Network. For example, the current president of the European Commission, Jean-Claude Juncker, was head of the Gladio in Luxembourg. All right. So in other words, what Macron, or pardon me, what uh, Maison is suggesting here is, number one, there has been an attempt by the president of France, Emmanuel Macron, who was the pro-EU candidate of Mr. Globaloni in the last French elections, to create a parallel police force combining presidential security and an anti-terrorism function directly under the command of the president of France, and, and therefore not under the traditional bureaucratic control of, of the French government. All right, number two, he is implying that this force has a connection to the stay-behind networks called Operation Gladio. Number three, he's pointing out that those stay-behind networks were often composed or connected to post-war fascist and Nazi organization or personnel, all right? Now, and, and he's even mentioned the World Anti-Communist League, which, you know, God bless him, you know, for that, because I've been harping on that myself in some of my books. So, in other words, there is a big scandal going on in France. Now, here's my own two cents that I want to add. I've, I've linked uh, Mr. Maison's article for you. You can read it in its entirety. It's, it's quite an eye-opener. But here's my own extra two cents. I've... I've long suspected that the refugee crisis in Europe was a deliberately promoted crisis by a group of people, we'll call them Mr. Globaloni. Macron is certainly connected to them. Angela Merkel certainly connected to them. And now we have Jean-Claude Juncker. I have suspected for some time that one of the reasons why this was being done was to create a backlash of public opinion in Europe to create a kind of pro-European culture rather than just simply a nationalist culture. In other words, they needed an external threat, an external influence to solidify cultural identity around the European Union, which has none. This is the problem in Europe. So I suspect that... Um, this whole revelation in France may be revealing a deeper structure to 
this whole European Union. You'll know that uh, in the third way I've pointed out that the structure of the European Union is almost point by point the same as a structure for a European Union that was drawn up during World War II by the German Reichsbank, by the German uh, chemical cartel IG Farben, and sponsored by the Nazi government. So this is looking to be very murky. I don't think this is going to go away, but for even, even if one excludes all of these fascist connections that Masson is pointing out, and even bringing it up to date by pointing out the problem in Syria, that this whole Gladio operation had been going on inside of Syria, and that Bashar al-Assad put a stop to it, which <laughs> explains in part why we're here where we are today. And let's not forget that Assad's backer, Russia, uh, Sergei Glazyev, at one point was said, uh, heard or quoted as saying that our problem isn't the Nazis in Kiev, our problem is the Nazis in Washington. And he meant it, you know, it wasn't a rhetorical statement. But in any case, even if you exclude that whole high-octane, end-of-the-twig speculation here, what you now have in Europe are the two power centers of the European Union, France and Germany, being led by governments that are very weak and now, in addition to the scandal surrounding Merkel's government and her policies on the refugees, you've now got a scandal brewing in France, a major one from the looks of it, uh, of an attempt to create a parallel police force leading directly to the Elysee Palace and uh, Monsieur Macron. So this is one to watch because with that vacuum of power in the European Union right now, the May government in London is very weak. The only major power in Italy that has a relatively stable and strong government is Italy. <laughs> and remember what I've said over and over, watch Italy, uh, because I think now the Italians are probably even uh, more inclined to press their advantage. And uh, I suspect that you're going to see backlash now major backlash against the new socialist government in Spain, time will tell. But anyway, this is looking to be very interesting, folks. Even if Masons and my speculations about these Gladio fascist networks should not prove to be the case, uh, that background is there and the pattern is there. So it's going to be interesting to watch and see how all of this might unfold. Anyway, Interesting story. Uh, thank you to uh, Terry Masson for putting that <laughs> putting that out there. Uh, don't forget, there's no vid chat tomorrow. It will probably be next week. And again, please, uh, if you're interested in the new book, uh, Microcosm and Medium, it is now up and available for sale on Lulu. This is an early release version. It still does have some typos and misprints and so on, but they're very minor. And that's why I've allowed the book to go ahead and, and be sold. People have been waiting for it for a long time, so I figured I might as well go ahead. But uh, it is there at Lulu. Just go into Lulu and, and look up my name or type in the title uh, Microcosm and Medium, and it'll take you right to it. That's it for today. Uh, trouble a-brewing on the banks of the Seine. So <laughs> we'll watch this one carefully, folks. We'll see you on the flip side. Bye-bye, and God bless.